passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to... Our Hell in a Cell post show. I'm John Pollock, along with Wei Ting, starting at our regular WWE post pay per view time slot of just after 10 p.m. Eastern Time. How are you, Wei? Man, I love it. I love it. It's great. It's, uh, you know, I got UFC yesterday. I was done UFC by six o'clock yesterday. Today, WWE show done at 10. Are there any complaints to have? Um, I wouldn't say so. No, this was a show that was uh sub three hours once again, not including the kickoff, of course. But yeah, no, no complaints whatsoever. Uh, we're gonna go through the entire show, and then we will be opening up the phone lines. So those that are joining us live, our post wrestling cafe members, uh, you can uh call in, share all of your feedback to the show. I also want to go over some of the uh, the news items coming out of the weekend as well. We'll do that after we go through. Hell in a Cell. So let's dive into it, Way. We have quite a lot to discuss from tonight's show. In fact, uh, just going into tonight's show, I mean, what was kind of your uh, level of enthusiasm for tonight's show? Were you looking forward to it this afternoon? Uh, honestly, I, I can't really say it was all that high. I mean, I think I was looking forward to Roman versus um, uh, Jimmy Uso, sorry, Jey Uso the most out of all the matches. But beyond that, I you know, I wasn't too... Like curious about who was going to win Drew versus Orton. Um, Sasha Bailey, I I think my interest had really peaked, you know, maybe right after the turn. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, you know, when presented with it, I, I think I I still had a mild interest. But I, of all the WWE pay-per-views, um, I, I don't know. I didn't really feel it that big for this one. How about you? I mean, I wasn't... I, I can't say it had, like, this great uh, anticipation, but... When you look at, looked at the three cell matches, I think you were expecting, like, these should be three really good matches. That was my expectation going into it. What I was happy to see, and I mean, I, I can't say they completely avoided this, was the idea that they might just, you know, backload all these matches the day of. And just because we've got to have whatever it is, our requisite eight matches. I am glad they didn't go that route because uh, of what they did add, it was completely useless on this show. I mean, it was the tried and true WWE method that we have to have you come down after a big match. Um, I sometimes see that argument, but I also think that there is, I, I think sometimes that's really overblown how much that's needed when the examples we got tonight, like Jeff Hardy and Elias, I will never think of this match ever again in my life. No, it was definitely a three match show and those matches are the cell matches. Everything else was just kind of, uh, honestly, it's it was filler. Um do you think that they could, especially with all this experimentation, do you think they could get away with doing, like, if if there are three or four hot programs, you do a three or four match pay-per-view? They could. Of course they could. I mean, NXT takeovers, I mean, in the past were... Five's what, the magic number. Yeah, like, pretty brief, and few people complain about that. Um, I suppose maybe from their perspective... I don't know. They're just like, I think we, we have to take baby steps. I mean, we're just coming off of like an era of seven hour pay-per-views. So I'll take three hour shows uh, any day and maybe in the future they can work towards, you know, maybe the two hour mark. So the kickoff show featured a enormous panel of Charlie Caruso, Jerry Lawler, Booker T, Pete Rosenberg and Double J Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. Kayla Braxton interviewed Paul Heyman. Sarah Schreiber interviewed Jeff Hardy. Uh, we are led to believe that the true culprit of the hit and run is still out there. So that's uh, our mystery at large. We're busy going to court over briefcases when there's a, a an attempted murder suspect that is at large on SmackDown. 
But you know what? The the legal system can take quite a while. Not that like, long. I mean, Miz and Otis got a date pretty quick. Well, I mean, JBL, um, maybe, I don't know, has a special core. R-Truth showed up. Uh, comedy ensued. Elias showed up. He sang. This part I actually really did not like. I thought it was incredibly low class to do this, where one of his lyrics was that if he wasn't sure between Hardy and Jarrett, he would think that the name Jeff is Spanish for junkies. And I don't know if Jeff Jarrett knew this line was coming, but my God, this man did this man look pissed when he delivered this line. And I just thought it was so shitty to bring this up uh, for Jeff Jarrett, whether it was uh, an idea or not. It's something that's going nowhere. Jeff Jarrett's never having a match with Elias. It just seemed like such a mean spirited thing to bring up like, ha ha, let's, let's make a crack about, uh, a serious problem that you have overcome. Yeah, it was a bad look. I mean, the whole Jeff Jer- Jeff Hardy storyline is in itself a bad look, but at the very least, you can excuse that as a part of his character recently. Um, Jeff Jarrett, I mean, I, if you're just a regular fan, you wouldn't really know much about his substance abuse issues. Um, and who who would come up with like such an awful like joke to make like that that was just the punchline like haha you had to go to rehab like I, I probably I, Elias I think I think that was a really just stupid line to have to put in there and, and that becomes like the defense is well he's a heel that's what we're supposed to do they interviewed Miz and Morrison uh, they talked about the Otis segment coming up later. And then our one match on the kickoff show, it was brief. It was R-Truth defending the 24-7 championship against Drew Gulak. Um, This Drew Gulak, at the beginning, was playing with Little Jimmy. And this is where, I think for the first time on a WWE program, we got the debut of the Zandig pose by Drew Gulak. And then he proceeded to kick Little Jimmy into the crowd right next to the hard camera. Yeah, this was their way of um, really making R-Truth angry for his comeback. He attacked Gulak, and then Gulak attacked his leg. Truth then flipped off his back, did his John Cena comeback. The AA got stopped, and then Gulak uh, flipped off his shoulders, went for a sunset flip, and it was stopped with R-Truth using a jackknife cover to pin him in 5 minutes, 24 seconds, and... Afterward, Akira Tozawa ran down, followed by Grand Metalik and Lince Dorado, who, uh, can we now officially say that the Lucha House Party was the the worst split? Although, I guess there's going to be other contenders, uh, maybe Heavy Machinery in there too. But, my God, these two, you're on 24-7 duty. That's what life after Kalisto is like. Which, to, to be fair, Kalisto's not even on TV since the draft. So, maybe they're one step ahead. Yeah, I don't know who got the better end of, of that bargain. Um, it's not everybody can have a storyline. And, uh, you know, I'm just disappointed they didn't really see the, the breakup with that team properly. This match itself was maybe a bit length, lengthier than your typical Raw 24-7 match. Um, but wrestling or comedy-wise, really nothing of substance. Yeah, nothing here. And then R-Truth ran past the uh, the panel, followed by Metalik and Dorado and Tozawa chasing after him. Gulak... Ran up to the panel and he told R Truth his childhood hero John Cena sucks. Yeah. Ouch. Countdown to WrestleMania. Begins now, doesn't it? Gulak and John Cena. I don't know if that's happening. Yeah, probably not. Retribution cut a promo in the back. Mustafa Ali called the Hurt Business an evil corporation that only care about profits. Ali proposes one member of Retribution face a member of the Hurt Business tonight, and MVP can choose both men. Mm-hmm. I guess, or women. I guess um, Mia Yim is not disqualified, is she? I think under WWE rules she is. Haven't had intergender like in quite some time. Well, they didn't have that debate on this on this show. Uh, what what a what a just meaningless kickoff this this was for this hour. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, I guess, felt the need to add another buffer match on the show, and this happened to be it. Um, what are you talking about? This was uh, this was one of the hallmarks of the night, was Slap Jack <laughs> taking on Bobby. You know, the mentioning of, like, the whole anti like, uh, the profiting thing, it, it just kind of continues to become more and more clear what this group is supposed to be a parody of. And it's just, I found the promo leading a bit more into, like, sort of the, 
ultra left anti capitalism activism thing. We go into the pay per view. That's where the show really begins. And they had to space out the Hell in a Cell matches. So going up first to open the pay per view, Roman Reigns, Jay Uso in an I quit Hell in a Cell match slash strap match for the WWE Universal title. Not only did we have a lot of uh, uh, weapons in this, but Roman Reigns introduced his new gold power glove. Yeah, he's got a he's a one gloved man now, the one that he Superman punches with, and it's gold. It's his gauntlet. Eat your heart out, Sean Spears. Yeah, this is a glove you can really get behind or go bowling with. Either one, but I mean, at some point, kids are going to be wearing the, the, these uh, gloves. Jay Uso came out all in white. Um, Roman Reigns was again; he was just great. He's telling Jay, "You've broken my heart." Jay says, you're the one that's changed. And he responds, I had to change. And he starts beating down on Jay, gets on him. You're wasting my time. The least you can do is stand. Jay fires up with a suicide dive to the floor. And Reigns is warning him. He's saying, in five or ten minutes, you're going to wish you quit right now. Just do it. Get, Get this over with. He spears Jay multiple times, but Jay is fighting back. Super kick, Uso splash. The referee in earnest asked Roman if this Uso splash was going to be it for him. And Reigns confirmed, (laughs) the head of the table never quits. And no, he did not. Then Jay brings in the leather strap and he told Roman, you're going to quit today or I'm going to whip the dog shit out of you. And then a third spear is delivered to Jay. Reigns takes control of the strap and he whips his cousin repeatedly. And then Jay fights back, gets the strap, and starts strangling Roman Reigns. Oh, yeah. Brian Danielson ran out and just yelled, what the fuck? Jay got a chair. The Superman punch stops him, and he locks in the guillotine. And I don't know if maybe Roman Reigns needs to enter a NAGA tournament or something, but I mean, he has to realize you keep the submission locked on. He let go of it. And Jay is, for all intents and purposes, he's unconscious. But the referee just keeps saying it. he hasn't quit. He's like, he's dead, but he has not said I quit. So Ryan says, you better quit or I'm going to take this to the next level. He hits a drive-by, then sets up the steps next to Jay's head for another drive-by. And the referee at this point wants to stop the match. Rain says, F that. He throws the referee out. So the officials run down. They enter the cell, which kind of defeats the purpose of this structure. In are Adam Pierce, Pat Buck, and a bunch of others. And then Jay is getting this long speech. And Roman has the steps up. He's ready to just destroy this man when Jimmy runs in and he acts as a protective shield here to his his to his brother Jay and Jimmy's pleading he says whatever's going on with you man we can fix this and Roman sits down you think he's having a out of body experience looking at himself what have i what have i become he is in tears and then we get the real the the curtain is lifted way Jimmy Jimmy in quotation says come on man This is John and Josh. And John and Josh are in a lot of trouble because John reaches out to Roman, to Joe, to hold his hand. And you think that they're going to unite. And then Roman applies the guillotine. And Jimmy looks like this man. I swear to God, if you watch Jaws and the look in Quint's face when that shark is about to plow him into the water and eat him into millions of pieces. It could not outdo this look that Jimmy had, that he was caught in this guillotine. He's holding on to Jay. It's like the end of the scene of Titanic where Rose is about to let go of Jack. And then Jay quits. He just can't put put Jimmy through this. At 29 minutes and 8 seconds, Jay quits. And Roman is the most despicable man for what he has done. And... I didn't think this could get any better. But then Offa and Sika walk out. They are at the top of the ramp to anoint him the official head of the table. Dude, I I love this match. 
I thought this was just an unbelievable match. I know it was long, but I was compelled by this. I thought this was 29 minutes of, uh, no, this is not going to be my, my, my match of the year, but I, I thought this built upon the Clash of Champions match, which I thought was going to be very tough for them to do. I thought they did a great job last month, and here you're trying to elevate it, and I, I thought they accomplished that goal. I thought it was a great expanded version of that match. You know, it's it's a very unique style of storytelling that Roman and Jay have been going, like, have been creating over the past two months. It's not a cinematic match. I probably said this last time. Like, it's not a cinematic match, but it's a type of match that really takes advantage of an empty crowd environment, relies a whole lot more on acting and dialogue and facial expressions than your typical WWE match. Um, and if you really think about it, I mean, yes, there were wrestling moves in this match, but considering the length of time, it was really not a match about the moves whatsoever. It was all, all about the acting. It was all about the storytelling and the dialogue and everything else. It's that Shawn Michaels, you know, I'm sorry, I love you type of storytelling, but really taken to an extreme because they have the environment now that really demands that type of attention from, from you know, the, a, a crowdless environment without an audience really there to kind of get in the way, I suppose, if they wanted to navigate this. And I think they've done a great job. And it really helps, of course, when you have somebody who, who would have thought Roman Reigns like would be able to you know, act like this on a pro wrestling level. I mean, I'm not going to say the guy deserves an Oscar nom or anything like that, but within a wrestling realm of acting i think the guy is incredibly strong his new character is very captivating and i thought jay uso was also fantastic he and jimmy were great here um as far as the match structure goes like at no point like it's really hard to get people to suspend their disbelief that jay uso could win but i think his tease with the leather strap i thought was done really well and maybe for a split second even had me at thinking oh maybe this would be the like, their way out you know their way to give jay some credibility to get a win um, didn't happen, of course, but you know, it it doesn't matter. Like also a great moment of Roman teasing a change of heart, him bursting into tears, using J U Jimmy Uso there to uh basically, you know, um uh, uh elicit that reaction from Roman before turning on him and then forcing Jay, protecting Jay essentially, to make him quit in order to save his brother. I thought they told a really good story. Um in the end, you can look at this and say did this necessarily qualify as a cell match? You know, like how much of the structure did they actually make use of? Um, probably didn't need to be in the cell for it to work, but I think having the cell adds a bit more, maybe luster to the branding of it. And of course, maybe even, you know, knowing a match that like this was going to take place, maybe that was part of the incentive of putting two other cell matches on. Yeah. I, I think it was just strictly for the theme. I think this match could have been, it almost felt like the match was structured around <laughs> how do we get around the cell? Like so much of it was about like the officials coming out, the like Jimmy running in. I mean, it was almost like you had to forget the cell was there as this protective barrier to keep everyone out of it. That it was I, I didn't think it, it was, it was not even that like you didn't need it. In fact, you had, it probably would have been easier if you didn't have the cell as this, uh, barrier to get around, but um, it's not like it hurt it. But I like if this was not happening on October 25th, there's no way you would have needed this structure and you wouldn't have had it. The I quit match or the stipulation was more than enough to carry this match uh, for what it was. I thought they did such a great job with Jimmy and Jay that you're going to have to have a hell of a line of reasoning if the ultimate plan is to align the Usos with Roman down the road, other than they admit that, man. He really kicked our ass, so we better just fall in line. I think they could do it. I mean, it's it could be as simple as, hey, man, you're right. Like, you are the head of the table. And all it would take would be, like, a pretty maybe impactful turn from the two of them against another baby face to accomplish it. Um, but, uh, yeah, they've done some great work with Roman. Who do you see him following up with? Well, I think we're going to probably know this week what the what the direction is for Survivor Series. Uh, I, I don't hate that idea of Roman leading a team on SmackDown, and he's the one that is, I'm the tribal chief. You all just follow me. And like it's the leader that has no desire to need teammates, but um, you can continue that. And I think the goal now is, like, where where is the next direction for Roman Reigns finding that, that baby face that will get him through 
your December, January pay-per-views. Big E might end up in that role. I, it would not shock me. Um, you have a few options. Like it, it's like, I don't know if we're going to see necessarily a big opponent versus another kind of just keep busy baby face opponent, which if it's just to keep them busy, then I would almost nominate someone like a, uh, a, a Kevin Owens. Cause that's kind of the role he falls into. Right. Yeah. So the raw announcers reacted to the match and then Elias comes out and said that he, Elias, WWE stands for walk with Elias. Jeff Hardy stands for DUI. Jeff Hardy comes out and Tom Phillips notes, were you aware way this match, a first time ever meeting between Jeff Hardy and Elias. Didn't know. No. Wow. This was history. Uh, again, they are hitting you over the head that Elias uh, has, or sorry, that Jeff Hardy is not the culprit. The culprit has still not been found after all these months. Hardy leaped off the steps, missing Elias, and hit the barricade, so his ribs are injured. This gave Elias the advantage. Uh, he put Hardy onto his shoulders and turned it into a power bomb. Hardy then came back with the whisper in the wind, and then Elias rolls to the floor. He grabs his guitar. Hardy takes the guitar away, and unlike Monday when he missed, this time he smashes Elias with the guitar. The disqualification is called at 748, and this gave them a reason to play Elias's uh, song and remind us over and over that this goddamn album is available tomorrow, which is I, I think was the whole purpose of this match, was seven minutes and 48 seconds of promoting this album tomorrow because this was a nothing match with a nothing finish. God, I suppose so. It was a very average WWE TV level of match with a very lame finish that just, you know, continues the whole thing. So definitely come down from the last segment. Very skippable. Caleb Braxton interviewed Heavy Machinery, who <laughs> were broken up at the draft. And since the draft, they have appeared on Raw, SmackDown, and now this pay-per-view together. It's hard to say goodbye. It, apparently it is, yes. The Miz against Otis. Otis was in control from the get-go until Morrison got involved, so Miz took over. And Otis is going for the Caterpillar, but Morrison pulls Miz to the floor. And as Morrison gets the briefcase, he goes to use it and gets caught and ejected by referee Jessica Carr. Otis is then sent into the ropes. Tucker lifts up the fallen briefcase and blasts Otis with the briefcase. And Miz pins Otis in 728. It's a big turn. I mean, you know, this team was officially was pretty much broken up after the draft anyway, but this actually sets them on a course with a clear baby face and a clear heel. And um, I'm not sure why I didn't really see this turn coming and this out coming, you know, because they're on opposite shows. Maybe that's why you didn't see it coming. Could be possibly. But um, yeah, uh, Tucker being on a co-branded show was able to accompany Otis here and did the big turn sits Tucker up. I mean, you know, the big hole, the big um question was you know does tucker simply get completely forgotten now that otis is a single and by doing the turn with him as the heel turning on otis it sets him up from being forgotten sets him up as a fresh start for as a heel run and gives otis a hot program that isn't the briefcase and it also gets the briefcase off of him which i think was ultimately the goal of this entire thing so where do you where do you see this feud progressing are we just going to continue with each appearing on the other show. Yeah, I think I think Otis and Tucker have to wrap it up somehow. Maybe, you know, being on a Survivor Series opposite ends, you know, is their way of somehow doing it. And then maybe they, they could build to some sort of intrapromotional match um, after that. Uh, but ultimately, you know, the bigger focus is what happens with The Miz in the briefcase. The Miz and Morrison uh, spoke with Kayla. They called this the most monumental victory of the night. Miz said he's not going to squander the briefcase it's not a prop. He's putting both champions on notice. He's cashed it in before. He's going to do it again. And Otis took the briefcase and his best friend for granted. Tucker then made his way to the back. He says, I was the workhorse. I carried the load. I did everything for Otis. I told him to ask out Mandy. He can't tie his own shoes without me. And then Otis makes his way to the back and he goes ballistic on Tucker. Yeah, when he lines it out all like that, I mean, he certainly has a lot of reason to commit this turn. So we'll see how he does as a heel. Honestly, even 
I'm glad they're like giving him this level of attention, but I don't know how optimistic I am of like Tucker being like a successful heel in the long run, but we shall see what he's got. Um, but beyond that, you know, the Miz right now holding the money in the bank briefcase, there are two champions. He, it was important to note that he called out both the WWE and the universal champion. So I'm not sure how that's going to work. Um, because and both the, heels now too. Yeah. Well, cause the briefcase is not tied to any sing- singular brand, is it? So he could technically cash in on Raw or SmackDown if he wanted to, right? Yeah. I mean, by that logic, I mean, that would that would have given Otis the keys to, to show up on the other show, I guess. We could have established that this briefcase can be used on either show, so it gives him that reason. Well, maybe he was waiting for tonight after that cell match. You know, Maybe I, Otis and Tucker won't be able to meet till WrestleMania. Maybe they're going to be so strict now with, with the draft that they'll have to be separate until... Uh, WrestleMania, maybe. or maybe a year from now, they'll be in Hell in a Cell. This will be the new Bailey Sasha. Started tonight. Uh, could be. Yeah, sure. I don't have high hopes for this feud. We we'll, we will see where it goes. It, I, I think again, we'll, it, it's a way to get the briefcase off of Otis. That's the main priority, I think. Uh, it, it was to get the briefcase off him, but I would say. So are you saying that this was more so just an idea for this finish uh, as opposed to any significant thoughts of this feud that they might have? I mean, of course, it's going to be a significant feud for the two of them, too. But if Otis was I- I'm just perplexed star, why they were split up now, like on different shows. If this was any if this was in the planning stages two weeks ago, I mean, it's just why why break them up? Yeah, I don't know. That's a great this question. was the breakup. This could have been the breakup. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess ultimately they like Otis as a single star and want to have him solo, but they also didn't have the space to tell a proper breakup story until now, uh, or foresight to tell a proper breakup story until now, perhaps. I don't know. And then we get to the second Hell in a Cell match, Bailey against Sasha Banks for the SmackDown women's title. I thought both women, fantastic gear. Bailey in black, Sasha in white. This was uh, this was high level pay per view gear that they had for this big match. Bailey comes out with her chair, and Sasha takes it and tosses it out of the cell before it lowers. And uh, early on, uh, we we saw the introduction of a kendo stick, and they would uh, slowly introduce more weapons that would get more dangerous as the match uh, continued. We had the kendo stick early on, then we had a table that was brought out, and the table was driven into Bailey's ribs and Sasha was coming up with all these unique ways to hit the double knees. And I thought Sasha was just like some of her sequences here were really cool. The way she used the cage and was like flipping off of it or hanging onto the cage and then flying over to the apron. Like I, I just thought it was, she, she had some really incredible moments in this match. Yeah, agreed. She looked great. You could tell, like, she went in there with a whole lot of creative ideas and planning, and I thought executed most of them pretty well. Uh, Bailey set up these kendo sticks, uh, lodging them between the steps and the the cell, and then it was Sasha that got sent down through these kendo sticks, injuring her neck. And then in the ring, this was one of the more scary spots of the match, was where Bailey hits this running sunset flip that drills Sasha the back of her head into this chair in the corner. And that looked brutal. Uh, she comes back. Um, Bailey. <laughs> this was one of my favorite moments of the pay-per-view. Bailey goes underneath the ring and grabs this duct tape. And she's having the hardest time. And you literally talked about this being like a pet peeve when you're trying to like untape tape, like a roll of tape. And she was having this real struggle to the point that she asked the referee for help before she finally got this duct tape going. Uh, should be watching those Yano matches, man. It, it, you seriously should. Uh, I don't know what her plan here was. She took two kendo sticks and wanted to tape them together. And she just cut bait on this spot because I don't know where it was going, but it was not going well. So she just made the right call and said, we're moving on. Her idea seemed to be making some sort of extra long kendo stick by taping the two of them together and then prying, like propping that up between the ring and the the fence for some reason. And, um, you know, structurally, it just I I don't know if it was just all a decoy for for Sasha to get the fire extinguisher or she if she was actually setting something up. But 
it it was definitely a, eh, a bit peculiar. Yeah, this was a the Ken don't. Uh, this is when Banks gets the fire extinguisher, sprays it in her face, and Bailey is blinded by this. Banks is yelling at her, "You're not better than me." But then Banks comes off the top, and Bailey holds a chair. So Banks lands with her splash onto the chair. Bailey hit a one percenter on the floor, then brings out a ladder, sets it up onto two chairs, places Sasha onto the ladder, and spray paints an X, ruining this gear. And comes off the top or with a chair, but Banks rolls away, and we get a double knees from Banks into the ladder, into the corner, and then Sasha hits her own Bailey to belly. Dropping Bailey on the ladder for a huge near fall. Bailey recovers, hits her own Bailey to belly. That gets a two count. And the, fu- the, the final sequence sees Bailey hold the chair behind Banks' back and goes for the Bailey to belly, the super Bailey to belly. It's countered into a bank statement where Sasha gets control of the chair around Bailey's neck so that she's, ste- she's stepping on the chair to choke Bailey. In the bank statement as she taps out at 2630. This was an amazing finish and a really phenomenal match. I thought it was a great match. Very intense all the way through. And neither woman, you know, being afraid to really get hurt. And Sasha in particular. I mean, I'm usually kind of afraid uh, for for the risk she takes in, in, in these situations. There, there were some scary moments in, the, in this. Like, it was very yeah. physical. But, I mean, you know, like... <laughs> If you're going to take risk, I mean, I'd be happy if you save it for a match like this at the end of a several months long feud uh, in a hell in a cell. A lot of, again, very creative spots, a lot of interesting setups with the structure and weapons within it. And overall, I just I thought it was incredibly satisfying as a way to conclude this very long, very personal storyline. I would even say this was probably in ring my my favorite match of the night. Oh, I, I thought this was definitely match of the night. I thought they just they just killed it. I thought this was one of the better WWE matches we've seen this year. They really did a tremendous job. Uh, but by the end of the night, like I understood why they put Orton and McIntyre on last for the visual elements of that one. But man, this was um, yeah, this certainly felt like the biggest match by the end of the show. The Hurt Business is asked who's going to represent them against Retribution. MVP nominates Bobby Lashley. Shelton then picks Slapjack to face him. MVP acknowledges we are driven by profit, but also our intense passion to inflict pain. And MVP suggests that no cornermen, no backups out there tonight. It's just one-on-one. And Lashley will defend the United States title. So Slapjack has finally, he finally has gotten his chance at the United States Championship. <laughs> so huge moment here for Slapjack. Lashley just dominated this thing. He is just throwing this guy around. It was actually comical. Slapjack, he can barely see out of this mask. He goes for a drop kick that doesn't come close to landing. Lashley then tosses him off the top, belly to belly, applies the hurt lock, and Slapjack submits in 351. Like just a total throwaway here with uh, Slapjack looking like an idiot. Retribution then swarms the ring. You think that, okay, at least this is a setup for T-Bar and Mace to be the big monsters, to double-team and chokeslam Lashley. No, Lashley fights off the two monsters by himself. The Hurt Business run in, and pretty much Lashley could have just said, I'm good, guys. These guys are not a threat. You didn't have to even run down here. Mustafa Ali runs away. This group is so dead at this point. It was uh, just, I, I will say, the most positive thing is this was under four minutes. So it couldn't be long enough to uh, hate it. But I thought this was uh, really bad. It's really, like, strange to me, the idea that they are continuing to build to this, you know, Hurt Business retribution feud. And, like, allowing both men to cut pretty equal promos at one another. Like, you know, Ali sounds pretty good when he's cutting these promos. And... Bobby, you know, what is it? Uh, MVP still talking to them as if they were legitimate threats, but their booking in ring is just the complete opposite of that. In ring retribution in their two weeks of being in prominent matches are no more than like just, man, uh, lower card jobbers, maybe something on the. On this the isn't level. even like a, like a 50 50 TV match. Like this was no. a, a total well, enhancement match. It's Bobby Lashley versus Slapjack, but 
so that I understand. But then like him, the him beating up um uh what is it T Bar and Mace single handedly um I just don't get that at all. Like you have no credibility. You have no heavies that are of any sort of threat within Retribution. So I I don't understand continuing this feud and booking them so weak this way. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where okay they'll want to build to this and they're gonna give. Retribution, some big heat-seeking angle. Uh, and it's not going to matter because the die has already been cast on this group. I, I don't know if there's any salvaging this thing at, at this point. Yeah. They promoted the Survivor Series on November 22nd, and they noted that the event will celebrate 30 years of the Phenom, uh, with it being the anniversary of the Undertaker character. Uh, so we will see if we're going to get uh, video messages uh, sent in. Well, he's got to appear then, doesn't he? As the character, don't you think? I can't imagine him not appearing if the the main theme is going to be 30 years of the Phenom. You would think he has to show up and make, make an appearance. He'll probably do an entrance, choke slam, or something like that. And then Vince is going to come out and say, never say never. He never retired. Main event, Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton, Hell in a Cell for the WWE Championship. Uh thought Retribution was jumping Drew McIntyre, but it was Randy Orton disguised in a hoodie. And for one of the rare times ever, Randy Orton was in pants. <laughs> yeah. Make sure you remember it. Yeah. Yes. McIntyre uh, sends him into the cell after they battle around before the bell rings. And McIntyre is destroying him at the beginning. Uh, Orton then sidesteps a Claymore and attacks McIntyre with a chair shot to the knee and then presses it down on the jaw because jaws never recover. And he went right for the weak spot. Uh, he drill, he drove Drew's face into the cell and then the pants come off. You know who his G1 performer of the year was? Drew made a comeback, uh, hit some belly to bellies and then put Orton through a table with one. Orton then kicks the rope, hitting Drew low, and then Randy goes for the most destructive words in sports entertainment, bolt cutters. And he cuts the padlock chain and exits. And you think he's just going to leave. But Drew goes after him. They fight outside. And then Orton throws Drew into the cell and he climbs on top of the roof. So Drew follows him. They meet on top. Orton's got a pipe, but Drew takes him down. They continue to fight. And then Drew gets hit low, and Orton says, I've had enough of it up here. He goes to climb down. Drew follows, and they fight on the side, ending with Drew being sent off the side through the announcer's desk. And then my favorite Thunderdome moment of the entire time they've been here. Canned holy shit chance. Well, it's pay-per-view. I mean, got to get that in there. Uh, this was just amazing. Drew sold this for all it was worth. They replayed it a thousand times. They eventually return to the ring. Orton is setting up for the RKO, but Drew counters with a backslide, the way in which he won at SummerSlam. But it's a two count. He hits the Claymore. Randy rolls to the floor. Drew has to muscle his, him back into the ring. He's selling the ribs from the fall. And he goes for another Claymore, but Randy is staggering. He's getting up to his feet, ducks, and catches Drew with the RKO and pins Drew in 30 minutes, 34 seconds. And he goes off the air. The new WWE champion, Randall Keith Orton. His 14th reign is what they recognize. You, ne you never forget 14. That's <laughs> the magic number. Uh, it feels like just yesterday it was nine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Longest match on the show, am I right? Yes, it was. Uh, just just ahead of the uh, Jey Uso Roman Reigns match, but yeah, the lengthy cell matches. Like we're talking like ninety minutes of cell matches. Oh yeah, you know, for this match, I think considering the pace that it had to go, I thought um, they were able to pace themselves really well. Um, they were able to, you know, have build to a lot of spots that I think carried their their way through. Uh, this match kind of following, you know, the Sean Taker template of just having your big high spot be brawling on top of the cell for that visual. Something that I I guess I I don't when was the last time they actually had somebody like fight on top of a cell? You remember you recall? On top of the cell? Oh um feels like it's been a couple of years. 
I know like right? a- Ambrose and Rollins went up there, didn't they? But that was years ago. No, um, I don't remember. But this one, you know, resulting in, in the uh, bump off the side of the cage as well. Um, it, I thought all of that was like very well paced, very well done. I have to say, perhaps by this point in the show and having seen three of these matches, the style was a bit long and slow for me personally, especially at this length. Um, I don't doubt that there are many people that were fully engaged throughout, but for me, I definitely felt my interest like wane, especially like with some of the, you know, typical Orton in control spots. Uh, but overall, I, I thought it was a very good match. It was a good match. Um, I, I wouldn't, I would say it would be number three of the three cell matches, but that's not like a slight. I thought overall, if you tuned in for the hell in a cell matches, I think you'd be really happy with the three I get the thinking that, okay, if you're going to be going on top of the cell and doing the stunts, that do you want to come back with the the other cell matches that aren't going to feature that? Um, That's fine. Uh, I I don't get all bent out of shape over placement of them, but... You could um, have main-invented with any of these, honestly. Yeah. Like, if it was was my choice, I I think that the Bailey-Sasha match would have been the match I'd close with. But, you know, you were doing the title change in this one and all the stunts on top of it that... uh, you know, in a normal setting, if there were fans there, you know, you do a big visual of putting people on top of the cell. Um, maybe you risk like a later cell match where the crowd's not going to be as into it because they want to see the big the big stunts and doing that kind of stuff. But that's not really a factor here. So sometimes I think it can you can just overthink things like that. But uh, overall, I give this show a thumbs up. Um, it's really based on your enjoyment of the cell matches. The rest was. Just total filler and not very good. It dragged the show down, but uh, to me, you got those two great cell matches and a pretty good match in the Orton-Drew match, and that's what this show, that was 90% of the show. As long as, you know, these shows deliver on what they're marketed on, I I, I have to give a thumbs up as well. I thought um, Roman versus, versus Jey Uso was just another great chapter in this excellent Roman Reigns heel run thus far. Uh, I would urge people to check it out. I mean, there might be people who just hate that style of storytelling in the WWE. Um, So for those of you who hated the last match, maybe avoid this one because I don't think you'll like this one anymore. But if you did enjoy the last one, I think you'll really enjoy this one. Bailey versus Sasha, again, was my match of the night. Excellent cell match with a lot of creative spots. Uh, Drew Orton, I think I would have quite enjoyed too if it was like the only cell match on the card perhaps, or if this came, you know, at the beginning of the show versus the end. But if you're only watching the cell matches, I think you'd probably enjoy all three. How about the idea to put the title on Orton? uh, I was definitely surprised by it, you know, just because they've been so protective of Drew and Orton hasn't necessarily felt as hot as he has, uh, you know, prior to uh, like earlier this year. So, you know, something like this tells me that they're simply setting Drew up for a big um, WrestleMania win. You know, whether it be against Orton or it be against someone else. I mean, Orton is kind of a tough one because you know he's got that program with Edge. So do they do a title match with him and Edge first before uh, putting the focus back on Drew? So I, I think there are a lot of opportunities, though, and, and, and a lot of places to go. And it kind of allows Drew to, you know, be paired up with some of the other members of the roster who aren't necessarily in your title picture. Um, and... really kind of like is an attempt to perhaps pace him to keep him a bit more fresh in that big, you know, several months stretch from now until WrestleMania. Yeah. I I wasn't like, um, anticipating the title change. I thought that you could have still gone with Drew, but I could also see the thinking that to your point that like, what's the big thing for Drew that they've, you know, made such a big deal of in all of these, you know, post WrestleMania, covid specials that they've done on the network it's the fact that this guy got this big moment and he didn't have a big stadium crowd to win the title in front of that's almost like the backstory here if you're going to build up to him uh winning the title back at wrestlemania whether that be against uh randy against edge or there's some other um left field choice that's in there it feels like he would have to get revenge on randy somehow you know, whether or not that's a rematch for WrestleMania, uh, I guess that kind of remains to be seen. Do you, you know, yeah, and Edge, of course, is sort of the other um, question here. When is he available to come back? When would they do that? Um, you have big roles for these title matches all throughout the rest of the year, especially for when it comes to the Rumble. I could see them perhaps going to that. Um, maybe even going to this rematch if they really wanted to. But uh, you have several big matches that you need to fill and... 
Yeah, we'll see how, how Orton does in this run. Don't forget uh, the so, Fiend as well. Of course, yes. Oh, I, re- I really hope that that's not... How, the, uh, how, Chamber, of, Chamber of Horrors, or is it House of Horrors? Rematch. Uh, House... Yeah, that could be... House of Horrors. Yeah, that, Chamber that of Horrors is, I wish it was Chamber of Horrors with the electric chair. <laughs> well, uh, let's go to some feedback, and we'll also open up the phone lines if you want to chat about Hell in a Cell, what you enjoyed about the show, what you did not enjoy about the show, and maybe where you see some of these uh, programs uh, leading into after tonight's show. Yeah, people in the chat room right now on Zoom, simply put your hands up, and I will go to you uh, in order. Uh, but first, let's go to the forum. We go to the poll. Tonight's show gets a 7.18. So a pretty strong rating tonight for a WWE mm-hmm. pay-per-view. We kick things off with Andy from London. It's been really easy to criticize WWE this year. They have produced some awful TV and pay-per-views, but let's give them credit when credit's due. This event was great. In my opinion, the opening match stole the show from the video package before to the match itself, which is more of an epic story segment than a match. It was all superb. The performance from Roman Reigns with the emotion he portrayed was some of the best wrestling character work I've ever seen. And the finish was magnificent. I think we all assumed they were just going to throw it out to a no contest, which, given what had come back, would have been acceptable. But instead, they cleverly delivered on the stipulation. The Sasha and Bailey cell match was also really great. They worked a clever match with some creative weapon spots, which I really enjoyed. And even Orton McIntyre was a lot of fun, much better than I anticipated it being. If you go on top of the cell, then you've won me over. And a shock finish with Orton going over clean to win the title... Uh, to finish it all off. This is without a doubt the best WWE show of the year, perhaps of the last few years. 8.5 out of 10. Mm. I wouldn't disagree about that. I would have to look back at some of the cards this year, but best WWE show of the year, um, this would certainly be a candidate, I think, if not the the top pick. Yeah, I don't know if I came out of this one with like as as maybe high like feelings as as maybe some of the other ones, honestly. Like there have been several candidates and maybe some of those other ones were just simply as a re- result of like such lowered expectations that mm-hmm. I came out of them feeling so much better about them. The first uh, night of Mania, I think surprised everyone, especially with the Boneyard match that night. Um that mm-hmm. comes to mind, but I think that was a lot of like how how are they going to pull this off and I think people were pleasantly surprised with that first night. We got an MJ from NJ who says, A tale of two matches. Orton Drew was booked like every cliche Hell in a Cell match for the last few years. Actually, that spot felt right out of KO and Shane. So that might have been the last time somebody actually wrestled on, on top of the cell. Yeah, so uh, you're talking three years. Yeah. Uh, except with placeholders for their feet. It was an awfully booked match that did Drew zero favors post-title run. First, Orton is walking out of the cage like he's had enough despite being the cliff challenger. Then Drew climbs the cell like the dumb babyface champion WWE couldn't help but make him when he has champion's advantage and doesn't need to climb the cage to chase Orton. What? And I don't know. Like, I mean, is MG suggesting like Drew just like basically cowers and... He was stays? challenged and the guy answered the challenge. Uh, and that's a babyface, isn't he? Yeah, I don't. I don't agree with that point. Drew, MJ thinks it's a dumb baby face move. No, uh, he says on the flip side, Sasha and Bailey looks like they took me and th- they took time in carefully creating cool and innovative sequences, utilizing the cage element. Sasha scaling the cage to the cage and back, scaling the ring to the cage and back. Her meteoras, well, maybe not the duct tape kendo stick, but their match was one of the best Hell in a Cell matches since Taker Triple H. Really enjoyed it. All right. Uh, Eric writes, a pretty good show overall that benefited from not going over three hours, keeping the non-cell matches short, and by having the best WWE match of the year in Sasha versus Bailey. While I enjoyed Roman and Jay, I can see why many others didn't and do think that they could have taken a few minutes off and that it really didn't need to be in the cell. Taking the briefcase off Otis was the right move, but giving it to Miz is pretty uninspiring. Is anyone really interested in a Miz title match, let alone a Miz title reign? Retribution might be the worst faction ever, though there is some competition for that title. Really can't say I'm interested in a Miz title reign or or even a title match, but as a way to you know get to perhaps like get past a B level pay per view. I mean, he certainly is a better candidate than Otis. Um, I think also you know it, it it's been apparent that over the past several promos we've heard from him, he's been on a much more serious streak. The the same type of Miz that we might have heard like uh, prior to that WrestleMania run that he had. Um, so you know. He, he has an ability to talk, and if the talking is strong enough, he can get himself to be a really hot challenger. 
Um, but again, I don't I don't like it as a title run, but as an improvement over Otis, I I would prefer him. In a, in a different time period, like especially with, with fans and stuff, and that you didn't have all these like injuries and stuff. Like Miz showing up in NXT would actually, I think he and just let this guy cut his promos. Uh, I think like there could be something there that would refresh him in a certain way that you could uh, pl- play around with. That sounds a lot more intriguing to me than some of the like you know teasing anything with Reigns or Orton. Like the most likely scenario is that Miz is just going to hold this briefcase for uh, a while until mm-hmm. we get some kind of cash in tease. Might be like post mania, you know. At this point, you know, it with... could be like I don't think there's any urgency to do anything now. Um, mm-hmm. Like you're not you're not flipping the belt off either guy that you would think in the immediate future. So why even tease it? Like it's just um, it's very difficult when you have the heel holding the briefcase and your two heel champions. Go to Brian from New York who says it's not every day you get what can be the quote unquote entertainment match of the year and the wrestling match of the year on the same card, but WWE put one on. Put one in each nominee bucket tonight. The first chapter of Reigns' heel turn was given the perfect ending with this match with Jey Uso. I never thought we'd find many positives in the pandemic era, but having no crowd was given the, has given the two of them so much runway to talk their way through the fight scenes of their story that it's brought Roman to new levels. Even finding a way to get Jimmy involved equally in this story to set off whatever they're going to do with the bloodline was great. The coronation with Afa and Sika genuinely felt like not just the crowning moment, but the moment Reigns finally got to the level we have all been waiting for this entire time. On the other side, what might be the final chapter of the year-long story between Sasha and Bailey put together a match that fits perfectly in their pantheon with the TakeOver Brooklyn and Iron Woman matches. Loved the callbacks to their previous segments and matches, and I thought the ending couldn't have been more apropos. Unfortunately for the main event, the heights of the previous two matches weighed heavily on how it was going to be perceived. With the way they built McIntyre this year, I could see why they wanted the magnitude of him finally losing to mean as much as possible, and we could see from the table spot that they wanted to make it look every bit that impossible task. But running a month past the expiration date on their feud, and having to come off two nearly perfect Hell in a Cells before that, was never going to end well. Cheers to McIntyre, though. He handled his first reign running adjacent to the most abnormal time in wrestling history, as well as anybody probably could and let's end off here with a phone call from hansi hansi please unmute yourself you are on the show what's going on hansi can you hear me yes we can what's up? all right uh you know i you know i enjoy the show uh i hope aw takes note uh notice that they don't gotta go four hours when full gear comes out you know what i mean they can keep it a little bit short because like i find that those pay-per-views kind of take more life out of me sometimes uh, especially the last one do you feel but, different you know considering that somebody would be paying let's say like 40 50 dollars for a show like that versus a 9.99 subscription no i, I don't I, I, hear what no, I hear what you're saying i, I guess the, the, that's like the, the the mindset like like but like sometimes i just feel like the like the, the last one they did i felt like some of the matches didn't really need to be on and it, it, it would have been worth it just for like some of the other matches, but I enjoyed this pay-per-view. I, I thought, uh, uh, I'm a huge Tasha Banks fan, fan as you know, so I'm glad she finally won. I hope she actually gets a good reign. Cause like the only meaningful, meaningful reign she's ever had as like a champion has been her NXT one. I, it felt like she has zero title defenses. So I hope they actually extend that. They, they actually like, you know, like let her rock with it for a bit until Bianca takes it off or maybe down the line or something like that. Um, what what is the, what are some of the other challengers Hansi, you want to see her with? Um, well, I mean, you could throw her, you could throw her with like, you know, live more again or your Ruby riots, like for these, but the thing is like, they're not built up yet. See, that's the thing that like, I was even questioning who do you have Bianca? People are saying they want Bianca to face Sasha right away. But like, who, but I would rather have Bianca kind of go go, like, go up the roster kind of until she gets to Sasha Banks. And I'll, I'll close on this. I, I think I'm the only one excited about Miz winning the money in the bank. I know the concept is kind of like become a joke now with how they handle it. But um, I, I think if we can get 2016, 2017 Miz, I feel like that was his best year on the microphone. If we can get to that level again or something like that. Uh, so Hansi, I, would, you, would you wait? What would you do in the immediate future with, with the Miz? And do you see this being like a, like a long-term thing before they do the cash-in? 
I, I, I was gonna I was gonna say that he was gonna cash in tonight, but that that didn't happen. So now I'm a, I'm gonna assume that um, in the next couple of months, maybe you build Miz up, uh, you know, to be more serious. And then if uh, if it comes down to it, then have have Edge. I, I can see them giving Edge a title win to win this in feud. I say that that by that time when they do that, then you can have Miz cash in on Edge basically. And I mean, but you have to do a really good job to build Miz up. Like you, like not in this current incarnation, you gotta really make him more serious. Edge Edge wins the title, and then Miz immediately cashes in on him. It's not like the I don't dismiss that idea. It it almost seems like there there could be like a, a weird path that could lead to Miz and Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania. I I, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind that. But I, I before I go, I'll leave you with this. Do you think that uh, do you think Miz needs to lo- lose Morrison? Like I, I think that I think the honeymoon phase of the re- reunion was good enough. I think that needs to be done. I I, I would like to see a feud with those two and get Morrison to be a little bit more serious too. And I'll leave you guys with that. Thank you for taking my call. Thanks, Hunter. Uh, yeah, I, I think they've made like a concerted effort to make John Morrison much more of like the goof sidekick that I haven't been a big fan of. And it's been notable when they've made that shift that he's just kind of, yeah, the like Miz is the more serious one of the two uh, at this point that, um, you know, if it wasn't for such a lack of depth of tag teams, I wouldn't even mind at this point, like Miz kind of turning on Morrison. And that could be something that keeps him busy for now. Cause yeah, I, I kind of am not enjoying like the pairing between the two. Uh, I think it's just kind of run its course that it was a good way to, well, it was an idea when Morrison came back. I just think that it's, it's really telling of where they've somewhat slotted Morrison. It's not what I would do with John Morrison, but in the end, I still think Miz is better with Morrison, and Morrison is better with the Miz. Um, I'm I'm just disappointed that they've kind of made Morrison such a joke. I think if it was the Miz as just this great mouthpiece, talking, you know, as if he was a great contender with John Morrison sort of being the heavy in his corner, getting all these wins for him, uh, that would be a great way to set up a potential turn between the two while still maintaining Miz as sort of like the cocky heel with the briefcase. So I don't really understand. Like, I mean, going the comedic route has, I think, worked out really well for them. But now you're holding the briefcase. I'd like to see the both of them get a bit more serious. We end the show tonight with one last phone call. And that is from, I believe this person is awake this week. Brandon from New Jersey. If you could unmute yourself, you are going to be on the air. Hey, mate. Hello? Hello? <laughs> hey, what's going on? What's going on, man? What's up? Busy How's weekend, Brandon. Oh, absolutely, man. Uh, you only get three bites of the apple, man. And this is it, baby. The last bite. After that. <laughs> after hell in a cell, right? Three bites I mean, of the egg? apple. Yeah, I mean, I missed I miss Rewind the uh, Smackdown. Oh. And, uh, I miss John and, and uh, Big Phil because uh, I, I smoked the cigar and may or may not have fallen asleep till 1130 this morning. And uh, now I'm here. <laughs> Better late than never. <laughs> Absolutely. How are what? you? Uh, doing good, man. What's going on? What's on your uh, mind? Man, uh, 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 just a couple things that I'll get out of here because I know you got a you got a guy that's got to get out of here because you got to get some sleep. And did, did, you, but, uh, did you see the impact pay-per-view? <laughs> Either that's a yes or a, a definite. I no. was in the I was in the watch log and uh, I, I fell asleep during that too. Well, I won't ruin the results for you then. Oh man, but I, I heard uh, what's the call got the title though. That's, uh, that was pretty impressive, right? Rich Swan won the Impact title. They they switched three of the titles actually on the show. Wait, did you see any of it? No, I haven't. Did you? Uh, what did you think of the the battle? <laughs> Slater, it was his moment, and he got hurt. That's, that's unfortunate. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a great show. I I really enjoyed the Swan Eric Young match. Uh, I thought I thought they did like a really really good main event world title style of match. You had the great ending with Rich Swan winning. I guess the big story coming out of the show was uh, Kylie Ray not being there. Where it seems that it was just um, you know impact really was not sure what what the deal was it seems like it's been very quiet about uh why she missed the show but she had made it to nashville 
on, on Friday. And that was just a very strange scene where her music played, she didn't come out and they just moved on and had Sue Young replace her. So hopefully everything is fine, but that was definitely strange. And uh, I guess the other notable, I guess the biggest thing they pushed throughout the show was Dwayne Johnson sent us a video. And they Pebble annoying. Yeah. It is uh, a... <laughs> Did his endorsement of Joe Biden, and then he said, "Hey, I got I gotta record something else for a buddy of mine. Just just keep rolling. We'll we'll cut we'll edit this afterwards." Clearly in shape for the for the Roman Reigns feud with that blue shirt that that looked like it was painted on his chest. It might have been, yeah. I mean, <laughs> airbrush that, that infamous blue shirt. I don't know what brand that is, but I, I think that it's going to be the big. Are you gonna get one of these shirts, maybe, Brandon? <laughs> I don't know with the with the weight weight. Way talks about bodybuilding. I think he's going to get one by by SummerSlam of next year, right, Way? A bl- a, that blue shirt? No, I don't think so, man. <laughs> uh, but the, the Rock, he's a, he's an impressive shake. Uh, you think that's the end game with uh, Roman Reigns? Mm, I I think it's going to be. I'm not saying no, but I I just find like the Rock wrestling is going to be. Like that's the match to make. It just seems like it's it's a lot that he has to undertake to be able to go do a match, knowing. Well, maybe there's smoke and mirrors around it, though. In what way? Like I I don't know how you do a Roman Reigns match uh, with with the Rock, where it's uh, where you're going to be able to limit uh, any potential problems that the Rock has. Like if he's got God knows what on his plate, and I'm going to go do a pro wrestling match. Um, yeah, that that's always you know that's been the big sticking point is is that aspect of it. Um, if he's interested in doing it, uh, that would obviously be a big match, and certainly that you know if he's if he were interested in doing it, that's obviously the match to make. Two things, and I'll leave you alone. Uh, one, I, I sent you that picture of that kid in that Trump singlet. That uh, was uh, pretty interesting stuff from that tournament. There was like no people not wearing masks and whatnot. I, I was just curious what you thought about that. It was kind of a, a I, I didn't thing. I didn't even see what you sent me, Brandon. I'm sorry. Uh, it, there was this kid at a wrestling tournament. Uh, he was wearing a Trump Make America Great Again singlet. Uh, it, it, it's pretty crazy. Uh, I never thought someone would have the balls to do that, but uh, I, I, I was kind of disgusting. But whatever. And uh, wait, it's doo 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 doo, not doo 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 doo. Good night, Brandon. Good night, guys. I love you guys. Thanks, Brandon. Did you want want to go over some news, John, or or did you want to? How'd you feel? Um, I I, I mainly just wanted to chat about like uh, the impact things. Um, just over overall. Um, you know, I thought it was a average show. Um, if you're going back to watch any of it, I would recommend the the main event. And as I mentioned, like the big story to me was uh the the Kylie Ray story. Hopefully, we'll get more of an update uh, this week and. Everything's okay with her. Um, Dave Meltzer did report that uh, apparently everything is okay in the physical sense, but it seemed to be just that uh, even impact, like they really were unsure the day of uh, what what the deal was. And, you know, you can, you can look at, at the fact, like if they got to the point that they had a backup plan in place, you probably should have, you know, been open about that on the, on the preview show rather than wait up right, right until the match to do that switch. Um, I, I'm not going to like get too bent out of shape over it. It seems like they were very much unsure about the, the status of her as well. So it just became like a very awkward moment on the pay-per-view. Um, yeah. So that's about it. The, the speeches actually for Ken Shamrock were, were very good in particular, Bret Hart's, uh, I thought it was very well done. Uh, Mick Foley sent in one. Dwayne Johnson sent in one. Like, I, I thought they did, like, a nice job with that, with the video messages. And then Shamrock, who, it was very strange because he was the biggest babyface on this countdown show. Everyone's praising him. He comes out, gives this nice speech. Uh, and then the pay-per-view begins, and he's back to this heel character that's aligned with Sammy Callahan. It was almost like the preview show was not part of the the character stuff that Ken Shamrock is doing now. Wrestling is like that, you know? Maybe he has a change of heart once, a, once it's time for a competition mode. And, uh, yeah, there's that. How many videos were there in total? Dude, there were a handful of them, including uh, Boss Rutten, Chael Sonnen, and Ariel Hawani. Really? Cool. Yes. 
So Ariel Hawani has now been on dynamite this year for that Jake Hager, John Moxley match in the lead up to that. He's been on and he's been on impact as well. Amazing. Wow. So look at oh. that. Just get, getting around everywhere in the pro wrestling space. He's a big name. How about the, uh, I sent you the Rhino and Heath, Heath uh, interview. You saw that? I did see that. Yeah, that was kind of an unfortunate camera flub, unfortunately. Yeah, and uh, he sustained an injury. And in th- this was actually, I thought, rather impressive that they were able to change on the fly. So Heath is in the call your shot gauntlet match. And it turns out it uh, he got injured in the match and he was scheduled to win. So he's eliminated. And they have to just, they also have the stipulation that if Rhino or Heath doesn't win the match, then they Heath doesn't get his contract and Rhino has to leave Impact. So Rhino was still in the match and they had to change it on the fly and Rhino wins the match. And oh, I, I give them credit that they, you know, we've seen enough stuff where look at some of these finishes we've seen recently where it's a live show and things just become a mess. Here they switched the ending of this whole battle royal uh, on the fly and it came out. Rhino wins, so it doesn't uh, affect the storyline. Unfortunately, Heath is injured, um, so hopefully he uh, makes a full recovery. But um, I, I think that that was worth noting that they were throwing this curveball and had to just adjust everything. And I I thought they did a pretty good job of adjusting. Seems like there's always um, a lot more story coming out of the behind the scenes with some of these shows. Yeah, maybe that, maybe that should be the impact. The the follow up show on Tuesday should just be uh, all the. All, all the all the fallout of the stories from mm-hmm. Bound for Glory. Uh, hey, before we get out of here, I wanted to say uh, give some shout outs to the chat room. Is that, sure. Unless there's another news story, John. No. Thank you for joining us, everybody. Of course, uh, pay-per-view post shows are available to Double Double Plus patrons. So hello, Andrew, Branavan, Brandon from New Jersey, CTVW, Devin, Eric Marcotte, Gilroy, Hansi, Joe, MJ, Miyagi, Mr. Warford, Patrick, Raymond, Ron, Stephen, Tom, and anybody else who showed up earlier, thank you for joining us. All right. That's going to wrap it up. Thank you to everybody for tuning in. Uh, We are live after every uh, pay-per-view here for Double Double, Ice Cap, and Espresso members. We are going to be back on Monday night with Rewind to Raw. We'll we'll also have the schedule out Monday with all the shows that are coming up this week. Uh, A lot of cool stuff coming up, so check that out. PostWrestling.com. Way, thank you as always, and we will speak with you Monday night after Raw.